Welcome to Alchemy Land, where we playfully explore creativity, healing, and consciousness. I'm Tage. Today on Alchemy Land, we have an interview with Mary Johnston Corsi. I hope you enjoy it. So a warm welcome to Mary Johnston Corsi, who is our guest today on Alchemy Land. Mary is a wonderful yoga teacher who has an extensive background in studying, practicing, and teaching yoga, as well as a background in dance. You can learn all about Mary and her work at innermountaininstitute.com. I am so pleased to have her here today on Alchemy Land. So again, welcome, Mary. Thank you so much, Tej, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I love everything I've heard about Alchemy Land and everything you're up to, so it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, I thought um, maybe just to uh, start, you could introduce yourself to our listeners and um, just maybe tell us a little bit about you and your background and your work. Sure. I teach meditation, I teach yoga, I teach yoga teacher trainings, and I guide individuals in their spiritual practice and do some life coaching, and I'm a yoga therapist. So um, there's a lot of pieces coming together. Um, mm-hmm. In my life, I, I'll just say I started my meditation practice at age 15. I started learning um yoga as a daily practice around age 20 and and I was a professional dancer for 20 years while exploring yoga so there's all these different parts that come together yeah that's that's a really nice introduction and you know I love um your background because it's so similar to mine and we share a lot of commonality there because I was a professional dancer also and for about right. a 20 year period and uh right. um was similarly introduced to yoga at the age of 14 and you know became a big part of my life so i love that we just share that um kind of similar background it's it's so nice that's, that's amazing yeah yeah and um what is the uh, what is the name of your school called again and um why did you uh, name it um uh, that Oh, sure. It, the name of the school is Inner Mountain Institute. Mm-hmm. And um, the Inner Mountain is, you know, we think of trekking a mountain to reach the highest peak. And so this is the reference to the Inner Mountain that we trek, the inner journey that we take as spiritual beings. Yes. So that's the Inner Mountain. And the Institute part is really just an investment in possibilities of where this could go that that right now it's me teaching my my courses and leading people but in the in down the road I have the vision for collaborating with um, other not just other teachers but artists and other professionals who are similarly guiding people on an inner journey yes well that's beautiful and uh, again a lot of similarity to some of the goals that we have set forth with the the Taurus project and uh and in yeah. fact this um podcast this uh, alchemy land idea is an extension of the Taurus project in that vein of something creative where we can uh explore and um that's why I really wanted to have this conversation with you because I thought well we're sharing so many uh 
parallel tracks here, why don't we uh, talk about <laughs> some of the similarities yeah. and goals? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I would love to uh, start with the idea of healing. And, you know, I know you said uh, you're a yoga therapist, and um, perhaps you could talk a little bit about healing in as it relates to your uh, teaching and your practices. And um, particularly, I'm interested in how you would describe the healing process as it relates to what you teach and um, what you, how you guide people. Mm, what a great question. Wow. Okay. So I think healing has so many layers to it. And, and if I just think of it kind of um, along a timeline, like I like to say that my, my experience as a professional dancer gave me many opportunities in the physical body to explore healing Mm -hmm. because dancers are always injured, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yes. You're always doing the something on one side of your body a thousand times because that's what the choreographer is looking for and you don't do it on the other side and then you end up with these injuries. So, um, so that was some of my, I had learned yoga at an early age, but as I was being a dancer and getting injured, I became very interested in how um, how you could use yoga to heal the physical body. And, and I had dramatic experiences of being healed. And, and one of the things I learned early on was that, that connecting to the breath was very um, essential. Connecting to the breath in whatever you were doing as a healing modality gave a lot more potency Mm -hmm. to whatever you were doing and so then moving forward in time as I became more and more invested in the spiritual nature of yoga and began to understand what even that means what does spiritual mean right Mm -hmm. and um, I began to see these layers so you have the physical body and then you have the energetic body and then you have the mental body and then you have the the kind of essence and the connection to spirit to Mm -hmm. soul whatever you call consciousness and that these layers all influence each other Mm -hmm. so now when I'm looking at myself for healing or looking at a client for healing, I'm really looking at all those layers and looking for what is my, they, they all affect each other. Um, but there's only, there, there's going to be a, a road in that's going to be most effective for that person. Mm-hmm. And so for one person, it might be entering through the physical is the best path for them. But for somebody else, entering through the spiritual might be the best path and or or the mental. What's going on in your mind? What is the tension in your mind that is manifesting in the body? Right. Mm-hmm. Or or the energy. And we when I talk about energy, we'll we'll start by working with breath and um and and sort of go from there so yeah this this way that they influence each other these layers there's a there's a teaching that is really simple and succinct that helps people understand what i'm talking about and that is that if you have a physical problem then to fully heal it you must address the physical and the energetic and the mental emotional and the spiritual 
Mm-hmm. If you have an energetic problem, then you must address it energetically and mental, emotionally and spiritually. Mm-hmm. If you have a mental problem, you must address it mentally, emotionally and spiritually. And if you have a spiritual problem, you must address it spiritually. So there's, yeah, I think a lot of people come into yoga, for example, with physical issues mm-hmm. and yet they don't realize when I'm working with them that I'm working on all those layers. Yes. I, you know, I love hearing about that too, because that's very similar to uh, my experience working with touch and with um, body work. And, you know, it's very similar. People often come with a physical complaint and or uh, pain. And that's the doorway to these deeper levels of healing where you need to address all these levels as you perfectly described. So uh, I'm so glad you're talking about that and making it explicit. And it kind of leads to that thought about, like you said, everyone is a little different and needs particular attention on perhaps a different level as a beginning, um, where are they most going to be affected by um, that attention and that healing that's needed? And um, I think it just brings up that idea of authenticity in one's spiritual practices and in healing. And um, do you want to talk about that at all? I mean, what's it like to be authentic in your uh, healing and spiritual development? Oh, boy. (laughs) What is it like to be authentic? That's such a big word. Yes. Because it's used a lot as if if people understood it. (laughs) Um, Well, what does it look like, I mean, to you, in in your experience, I guess? Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, that's an, it, it, it's such an interesting question, mm-hmm. authentic, because I think that um, we're, we're searching for authentic, we're searching to find the truth, the essence, yes. the, the, the authenticity of our nature, and um, as we progress in our spiritual practice or in our healing process, we're peeling away layers and getting closer and closer to this essence. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I kind of had a reaction to the question is because (laughs) I think we often think we're being authentic and then we peel away a layer and realize, Oh wait, that wasn't the authentic me. This is the authentic me. Right. And so that's actually kind of, um, I think of it as a playful process, as kind of a fun part of the journey rather than kind of judging ourselves because, you know, this is the process of being human mm-hmm. and, and and wanting to grow and expand spiritually. So mm-hmm. I think I think I would say that to be authentic means that you have a sincere intention to keep searching uh-huh. and to keep peeling away those layers. And um yeah, I'm not. I'm not even sure if I'm answering your question the way that you were intending it. You know, but that's just what comes up for me. Well, yes, I I, I think it's a great answer, and uh, it makes me think about you know, as you said, as you're peeling away those layers, there's a playfulness, and the uh, 
I guess the, I guess I would ask, do you feel like it's about being honest with yourself as you're going through these phases or as you're peeling layers and, you know, to say, well, this is where I am. This is who I am at the moment. And this is as yes. authentic as I th- believe I am at the moment. Okay, that, okay, that helps me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, being honest with yourself, which which generally means being courageous. Mm-hmm. I think to be authentic requires a great deal of courage. Yes. And in my experience, many people that I work with, that's the, they, they have a, a voice in their head that tells them they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Or they have a voice in their head that tells them you're, you're being an imposter. You really mm-hmm. don't have this gift. And they have fear of being judged. They have fear of not meeting up to their parents' standards or their friends' standards or their own personal standards. And so they avoid stepping into that light mm-hmm. of their authentic self. Mm-hmm. So so the way that I'm understanding now what your question, I think that that, that place of being honest with yourself requires a great deal of courage. Yes. It, it's the path of a warrior, actually. Mm-hmm. To be so brave that you can just be who you are. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I love that thought. And I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. And my experience, too, that's so much about healing and being authentic um, is to recognize those places where we're diminishing ourselves or we're caught up in a negative self image and uh, or low self esteem. And we, we need to, um, find out what's behind all that and what is holding us back on those levels and how can we change it gradually. Um, And I love how you said it's, it's really a path of courageousness and that is so important, isn't it? I mean, that's takes us to the heart where we so often need to um, move toward loving ourselves more and uh, being compassionate toward ourselves and of course others. um, But wouldn't you say, Yeah. 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 And when you see somebody who is authentic, that person is unapologetic about who they are. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily need to, they're not trying to make people like them. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're just being who they need to be. And, and what I see is that it becomes very inspiring to the people around them, mm-hmm. people kind of grain in towards that they get attracted to that because it's what they want for themselves yes and and that being around that type of person then gives you the courage perhaps to step into your brightness yes yes i love that and that's so true because we uh ultimately can inspire each other as we become more authentic and more true to ourselves and we become much more close to that uh, state of unity, I would say, where we feel that current of love moving us toward unity. Um, so I, I think that's why I brought that question out, because I thought yeah. it's so important to recognize yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. There's a, a course that I teach, mm-hmm. actually, called Song of the Soul, mm-hmm. which is really... A, a deep dive into looking at um, number one, what is your unique gift? What is your brilliance? What is it that makes your soul sing? Right. <laughs> and, but then number two, then what is the, like we were just talking about, what are those negative um, thought patterns 
that sabotage you, that prevent you from going full force into your gift. And then what we finally do is we look at how does that self-sabotaging part of you, how is that really trying to serve you mm-hmm. in some way that you don't understand? And as you grow to understand it, then you can embrace it and you can transform it and then you can use that energy to fulfill your your gift instead of sabotage. So yeah. it's this embracing of the the, the shadow side, really, yeah. Yeah. and learning how to do that. It's really beautiful process. It, it is beautiful. That That's amazing. And th- that's so important to hear because we think, oh, well, you know, I want to get rid of these negative things. But as you were just okay. saying, it's, it's actually fuel for the rocket ship of the, of your spiritual exactly. liftoff in exactly a sense. Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Could we also touch on creativity in this vein a little bit? Because I know that, you know, what you're talking about, um, in being authentic and being on this journey of self-discovery, um, I think you even said it just a moment ago that each person's unique and you have your unique gifts. And I would say in that there's a, there's a creative process involved. And I think, you know, having been dancers, we know a lot about what it's like to engage in a creative process. And I'm just curious how you see that kind of creativity coming into that process. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I actually, um, I have a master's degree in dance and my master's thesis was on the spiritual nature of creativity. So <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about this. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. You know, I've thought deeply about it because I really feel that the nature of divinity or infinite consciousness is pure creativity. I feel like that is its nature that is the very nature of it so whenever we're engaged in any type of creative process Mm -hmm. we're plugging into something that's bigger than us that is what makes the world evolve and change in such a beautiful way and you can call it whatever you want to call it right Mm -hmm. um i'm not attached to a label for it but the process of creativity is for me, it is, it involves this idea of really surrendering the ego of, of, um, and so when we talk about being, let me back up a little bit, we talk about being authentic, there's a certain amount of, um, part of that courage is to, is the courage to let go of our, attachments to I should be this and I should be that Mm -hmm. and just be who we are meant to be right Mm -hmm. and in that process of letting go of these sort of externally imposed standards of what we're supposed to be like we have this process of surrender so if you take that to a level, to another level, this process of surrender, it, you've, you've heard the phrase to be in the flow, mm-hmm. right? As, as a, as sort of an expression of artistic experience. Well, that's my image is that I'm no longer controlling the, mm, I'm not really in charge of 
what I say or what I do in my life, I'm surrendering to something that works through me, something that's bigger than me, mm-hmm. this, this force. And what I found actually in my master's thesis was I, I researched all these different artists from different um, modalities, uh, painting and acting and poetry and sculpture. Mm. And, uh, and all of these artists had the same expression that they had to lose themselves. They had to dissolve their sense of identity and ego yeah. in order to plug into this flow, this something that flowed through them that actually was what created the work of art. Mm-hmm. And I think healing is the same way. We surrender what we're attached to, the, the gripping yeah. and the tension. And when we can surrender then this flow moves through us. Now, healing, we even have to surrender our idea of what healing looks like mm. because healing maybe looks different than we want it to look. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, healing may not mean that you get use of your legs back, but it may heal your soul to where you can have joy in your life again. Yes. Right? So, um, but that's this process of surrender is how we connect to that creative flow. And the creative flow means, oh gosh, what does creative means? It means that the possibilities are infinite. Yes. So when you plug into that creative flow, then you are tapping this, this infinite potential for change. Hmm. But, but you have to not, not try to control it. <laughs> because once we try to control it, then we cut off the flow. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really... Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting way to live your life. It's very rich and very full. Yes, but, indeed. Uh, yeah, it's a process to get to that point to have the the courage to surrender mm-hmm. on that level all the time. And do you think that oh, to get to that point of surrender, or um, you know, as you were saying, just that letting go? Um, uh, do you think you need to just start to feel it? Um, it being uh, being aware of something greater than you, energy or consciousness. I mean, how would you describe that? What, what's that? What's like? What's that like? Getting to that point of surrender. Oh, that's a really good question. And again, it's probably going to be different for each person. Right. I think. I think intuitively, we all have a connection to our source. Yeah. We recognize it when it's there, and for some people, that that comes up for them in nature. For other people, it, it rises up through um, meditation or through dance or through a process, um, mm-hmm. like an artistic process. But I think that what's really important, what I would say is really important, is that in order to make use of, of this idea of being in a creative flow that's going to serve you, you need to have a practice mm-hmm. of some sort. That means a discipline, some sort of daily discipline where you determine, you know, what is it that helps me connect to that inner wellspring? Mm-hmm. And because the, the truth is that the outer world demands our attention and it pulls us away from that inner connection. Mm-hmm. And, and that happens as soon as we open our eyes in the morning, right? Mm. The world, we're wired to, to be reactive to the world outside of us. And so 
some sort of daily practice that reminds us of this inner wellspring, this inner source that we come back to again and again and again, I I feel like that is a foundation for growth. If you don't have a discipline and you're leaving it kind of random, then you're not going to have this growing body of experiences that build on each other. Mm -hmm. You may have a great experience one day and then not another, but but by having a daily practice, we begin to, it's like putting money in the bank. You begin to create a relationship to this source. And so that when you get to that really dark day, you can, you can withdraw some money from the bank. You know, <laughs> you, you can find your way back to it even when you're not feeling it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think all, we all have moments of feeling it. But that's not enough if you're going to live your life from that place. Mm-hmm. That's my belief is that if you have a daily practice, and for me that now that's meditation, at one point it was prayer for me, mm-hmm. and now the prayer is woven into meditation. But um, yeah, I think that daily practice is something that also will grow and evolve then over the course of your life as you need as you're ready to expand further, you'll find the new practice or the evolution of your practice, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true I, in my experience, too. And I, I think that's really nice to hear because sometimes we can think, oh, it's, you know, I learned this style of meditation or I learned this, um, you know, movement sequence that, you know, it worked. And then uh, something probably needs to change at some point or or it feels like oh i don't want to do it as much and uh, i'm just speaking from you know moments in my life where there were times where i thought like oh this this used to work <laughs> you know and it's like a, yeah. oh well right. something needs to evolve you know it's not like yes. it, i discard it 100% it's just that there's there's something else that's needed right now that i can bring out and uh you know, maybe it's just a bringing attention to an aspect of that meditation or that, you know, movement that I wasn't thinking about for a while or, you know, renewing something uh, or going back to the original thought behind those teachings. And what was that like? And, oh, right, that reconnects me to that creative impulse again, where it feels right. vital. And then I can work with it again. So, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe you're being guided to a new teacher or to a new course mm-hmm. of study or a new style. And yeah. so um, I think, you know, it's the nature of consciousness is evolution. It is to expand. Yeah. And so if we're on a spiritual journey, that means that we're wanting to expand continually. And when we stop expanding there, and I do think we get to plateaus where we're stuck. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's just something to notice and then, and then be, be curious yeah. about what's, what's um, making itself available to you as a doorway to move through into this next stage that you're meant to go into. And I think it's about every one to three years that we should evaluate what our practice is and, mm-hmm. and, maybe become curious about how to how to challenge ourselves mm. into a new place because it is I, I think it does require some provocation each time 
each time we're needing to move through a plateau into a new place, it requires a, a new level of discipline in that moment, mm-hmm. a, a little bit of, um, you know, effort. It requires some self-effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, my mom would tell would talk about this. She was a, a, a psychologist. She mm. is a psychologist working with children. And she would talk about when, when I first had kids, she would say, so it's like a spiral that's rising upward, the, uh, the evolution of the child's personality. And every six months, your your kid will be happy as a clam. And then six months later, they'll just be grumpy and they'll be throwing temper tantrums because they're in, they're going through a doorway to a new stage of development. Uh-huh. And it's, and, and it's provocative for them. It's like their, their new worldview doesn't quite fit their old worldview and they have to try some new things out. And then six months later, they'll be in this happy place again because everything is right. And that's kind of the way I see our spiritual practice that we get to these stuck places because there's something new wanting to reveal itself to us. Mm-hmm. And it creates a, a it creates some conflict in our past perception of the world. And in order to resolve that conflict, we look at our spiritual practice. What can I do differently in my spiritual practice? Yeah. To understand this, to get a, a new level of perception and knowingness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's really beautiful to think about. And um, I would agree with you. I mean, it's, it's very much so in my experience, uh, an evolutionary process. And as you said, expansion, what is expansion of consciousness? Well, it seeks the next level. What is the new part of me that I can bring forth and what practices would serve that process? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I love that. Well, um, I was thinking about when you were talking also that um, it, it suggests that um, we can really be open to working with people on whatever level they are uh, presently working with and invested in. And I mean, particularly, I'm thinking about collaboration. So, you know, not mm-hmm. just with your students and, you know, with, um, but with everybody, with people in life, but maybe particularly with other teachers or other artists and, um yeah, I'm just curious about your experience of that and how do you view collaboration, especially in this light of expansion of consciousness and creativity? Do you have any thoughts? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I think collaboration is so powerful and healing and uh, empowering. Yeah, mm. I I have a couple examples. I mean, I have. Oh, gosh, I remember when I was teaching art to the middle school students where my my children were in middle school and it was a parent collective and cooperative and so I was in charge of the art and you know we had these projects for two different classes that one of them was um uh it was a fountain that was they had to be triptych so it had one long panel in the middle and two little skinny panels on each side and we got um donated tiles and we got and the children in the class had to collaborate they had to come up with a theme and so they they all created their own themes and then they voted on what the theme would be and then we we narrowed it down and then we made 
little ropes of clay that they wrote things in to make the the roots and trunk and branches of a tree that was the main image on the center panel that spilled over into the side panels and then there was a river flowing through and there was the sun on one side and the moon on the other and there was the phases of the moon at the bottom and they the the children came up with all this and Mm -hmm. and we made this fountain and you know it was just totally a whole can you i don't know a classroom of 28 middle schoolers collaborating on this fountain and when it sold at auction, I was approached by someone who said, you know, I mean, it was just auctioned off as a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. This would have this would have gone for $2,500 or $3,000 at an art gallery, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was so beautiful. <laughs> so it was like this idea of just letting go of the control. Yeah. Uh, and, and letting other people's ideas feed in was just so rich and um that those experiences really taught me the power of collaboration is so much about our willingness to not always be in control yeah and that then this 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 newness comes through and our ideas get enriched by other people's ideas right oh absolutely yeah and so that was just in the in in an art sort of setting, but it's that whole process of collaboration. Um, I mean, it's like what I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have too many examples in my mind now. Of, <laughs> as an, I mean, as a dancer, I collaborated all the time. Yes, and that was the whole choreographic process. That's what I was thinking about too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It, it's all about um, collaboration, and honestly, my best dances were ones where I gave away the power because I, I was a choreographer, and I, I I really gave the dancers different assignments, and then they came up with movement, and then I crafted how the movement was put together, and mm-hmm. and I never would have achieved certain pinnacles of experience as a choreographer if I tried to. Uh, hold a tight control on all the movement myself Mm -hmm. so yeah you know I think that's part of plugging into that flow and trusting that that together we're stronger yeah yeah sorry yeah exactly more whole that's what you said right more yes more whole yes and i i just got excited that's why i broke in there because i was thinking as you said that you know we're more whole because we're surrendered to this higher consciousness or this um creativity that's beyond our limited human capacity and of course we can't control everything i mean could we control the weather patterns and the <laughs> the, the right. movement of the uh the planets around the sun um well, we can feel into that creative power and that consciousness that's guiding and sustaining everything. And I feel like that's what you're talking about as a collaborative effort in a group or a, Absolutely. an artistic process. And, yeah. and, you know, I think that people don't, um, it's just a, a big ish, a big idea to wrap your mind around is this idea that when you plug into this infinite consciousness, this idea that that infinite consciousness or divinity or God or spirit, again, however you term it, mm-hmm. it, it's not limited by time or space. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's and therefore the knowledge, there's knowledge there that from everything in the past, but also everything in the future and all possibilities. So there's so much knowledge there. That's what we're accessing. When we plug into this creative flow, we're letting infinite knowledge guide us instead of, like you were just saying so beautifully, instead of our limited mind. Because what we know in our mind is limited by our life experience. Mm-hmm. And when you compare my life experience with infinite knowledge, past, present, and future, that's a big difference. <laughs> so, so when we plug into that pool, that, that um, flow of infinite knowledge, we have no idea what could come out of it. Right. And it's so exciting to be a part of that, um, that energy and and I think the attitude that helps us step into it is this idea of being curious and being surprised mm. instead of really trying to control again what the final thing is. Right. right? Whether it's an art project or whether it's a healing process. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yes, I love that. Oh, that's so great. And, you know, I think that um, that's what's inspiring me, too, in, in my life, that feeling of uh, openness to creativity on that higher level, like you were just describing, and that it's um, it's about curiosity. I love that word, too, because mm-hmm. it's like, well, what, what will happen? You know, I don't know. <laughs> oh, right. If, if oh. we're predetermined everything, what's the fun in that, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> and it's the playfulness it's the playfulness that we're being gifted we're being gifted these these new experiences that we never would have imagined mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i love i love that you use the word playfulness too and you've mentioned a few times and um to me that goes hand in hand with creativity because it's it's through that play or that feeling of um openness and it's very childlike in that sense you know even on that higher spiritual level it's it's like oh well, what could we do what could we make what how fun could this be <laughs> isn't it i yes it is and i like i love the word play to just dis- i feel like the essence of divinity is play mm. i also feel like i feel other words that resonate for me are the word song that it's like a song this whole creative process yeah. Um, because I, I am, because I do sing and I sing in with other people in harmonies, mm-hmm. this idea that when you're, I don't know, when you sing with other people in harmony, then, you know, two or three voices is more than two, than, than three individual voices, right? It creates yeah. this, this fuller experience. And then also I relate to the word dance that... I think dancing and singing and playing all for in my mind are just the embodiment of pure consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really, creative, yeah. Yeah. Pure creative consciousness. Yes. And um, I'm really glad you brought up song and singing and voice. That's very important to me too in my life. And I was actually going to ask you, and this leads into it perfectly, um, about singing or about maybe vibration more specifically and, and why you would work with sound. And I know you teach mm-hmm. mantra yoga as well. And yes. um, yeah, I just thought that's so important. And I'd, I'd love for you to just talk about that a little bit, if you'd like. I would love to. Thank you for that question. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
you know, um, I, I, I've always loved singing since I was a little girl and I just, uh, was singing every day, all the time. I would get in trouble in, <laughs> in my school class because I'd be in the back of the room singing to myself and Anyway, so it's always been a passion of mine. But when I was in college, I became infatuated with um, some Gaelic songs. Mm. If you can imagine trying to teach myself these really fast songs in Gaelic from a record player. <laughs> so putting the needle down and for a split second and then picking it up to figure out like, like, right? Something like that. And and trying to figure out what the words were because I didn't have the we didn't have the internet we didn't have yeah. you know any other way and but what I loved about singing in Gaelic was that I didn't know what the words meant mm-hmm. and I could feel into their power mm-hmm. as sound mm-hmm. I loved just like singing and and feeling the power of the sound and I realize now many, many years later, that, that that work that I did back in my early 20s was preparing me for the mantra work in Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. And as I work with mantra and chanting, and it, there's a similar thing in chanting, that it's not so important that you understand the meaning, the literal meaning of the words. What's more important is that you feel the vibration of the sound. Mm-hmm. And what happens... And what I feel is that that sound begins to vibrate through my body and it it vibrates on a cellular level and it vibrates on a more subtle level. So it vibrates how the mind is working. It vibrates how my thoughts are formed. Yes. Right. So those vibrations, if you do, let's say I have a, I I have a mantra practice that I do every day, Mm -hmm. the Sri Sutta practice and you know, I feel how it is reshaping the way my mind thinks, mm. the, way, the way I perceive and the way I react to the world uh, over several, over a number of years of doing this practice has been reshaped. And so I'm, I've been, my, I've been diving more deeply into my own personal exploration of mantra practice. Mm-hmm. The last few years and that is showing me that that <laughs> the practice of mantra is a very deep well and mm-hmm. most of us who have been exposed to mantra are just scratching the surface mm-hmm. and I've started to have some experiences plumbing the depths of the power of mantra and recognize that oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> These mantras really are the powers that created the universe, mm-hmm. and and so each mantra is a, a specific, unique power. And so I've had really profound experiences myself, just personally. Let's say on a healing level, like like having um, an injury that a neck injury from forty four years ago that that got healed mm-hmm. from. From doing mantra, right? Mm-hmm. So, but it's not like if you do this mantra, it will heal your problem, right? <laughs> right. It doesn't work that way. But, um, but it just reveals to me the the profundity of the work, and so I'm very excited to um, to be able to share this work with my students. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful! 
Yes. Yes, I really, I think that's so important to to talk about, um, and I'm really glad that you're teaching that as well, because, um, yeah, I think we've kind of gotten used to hearing the word mantra as sort of like a commonplace thing now, like, oh, you know, uh, oh, that's his mantra, like, it's just sort of a, a, a saying, like a little, you know, uh, repetition of a, of a word or a phrase that you like. Um, right. And yet, the root of the word itself really has to do with mind. And uh, as you said, that that vibration really is the essence of creation on that universal level. So, these are profound um, vibrations that can take us to or toward those um, those profound creative uh, states of consciousness. Right. And each, like you just said, each unique mantra is in and of itself a state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so the more we we work with it and we chant it and we hear it and we get absorbed in that vibration, then the more our own consciousness begins to shift and mm-hmm. be shaped into that consciousness mm-hmm. that we're working with. So the mantras are considered to be really the some of the most profound healing and transformative tools that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Well, um, is there, uh, I know you mentioned Song of the Soul as a course, and um, do you, are you teaching that anytime soon? Or are you, I'd love you to tell our listeners what you're teaching and where they might find you. Yeah, well, you can, I am teaching that in July, starting up soon on July 11th, it begins um, it's really will be a, like a Tuesday, Thursday evening virtual session that will be recorded so people can access that at their own time. And then there's the culmination is um, on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So that would be the 15th and the 16th of July. That would be um, all day on those two days where we culminate the work and that could be in person or live stream. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then I, I throw in a little, um, because the Tuesday, Thursday evening sessions are really intense on a personal level. There's a lot of journaling and assignments. And, um, then I throw in a little record, a a practice Friday morning, a live stream practice Friday morning that I just will, um, offer to people. And then during the weekend, we'll do, a, by practice, I mean a little asana practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the weekend, the emphasis is more towards the journaling and towards the group. There's a group process that we do that is super exciting and people learn so much from it. Um, and then there will be a, a, an, a, a yoga practice both of those days also to, um, to support the work. And we work with yoga nidra. We weave that in as well as meditation. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're drawing from really ancient tools from, uh, gosh, from the Vedic period, even around the science of manifestation. Like how do you manifest something in your life Mm -hmm. and what do you need to, um, what do you need to decrease and what do you need to increase and what, what can we, um, what simple practices can we draw upon to 
help us shift the trajectory of our life. And that's kind of so that we're living a life that is really filled with joy, Mm. you Mm. know, and thriving. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thriving. That's if I can see more people thriving and living in joy, I would be very joyful, (laughs) even more joyful. I know, right? Well, I love teaching this course because it, because people who take it end up having these dramatic shifts in Mm. their life. I mean, it, it's just, it's just really exciting for me. And sometimes it's really dramatic in terms of somebody, you know, really making a big decision in their life. Um, it, it could be leaving a job or taking a job or moving from one place to another or uh, leaving a relationship or starting a new one, right? Mm-hmm. Often they're big changes and sometimes the shifts are more internal, but the person is uh, figuring out how to be happy instead of how to be miserable. So <laughs> it's, just, it's very exciting to be a part of that process with people. That's lovely. And it sounds like you don't necessarily have to have a background in yoga or any particular no. knowledge. Is that true? No, this is one of the most um, beautiful courses in that way. It's really meant for anyone. Yeah. Song of the Soul, Living Your Dharma. There is... Um, there is a book called Song of the Soul mm-hmm. that the course is is sort of shaped after. And uh yeah, it's um it's it's really something that I often have a few yoga students in it and then people who've never done yoga before in it. I mean it's usually a mixture and um, so we bring the yoga practice that I do bring in. I I make sure that it's really gentle and that it's accessible to whoever is in the class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds wonderful. Well, Mary, it's been so lovely to talk to you. And um, I hope this is just the first of many conversations we have. I really enjoy it. And uh, thank you again for being on our podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Tej. It's just a delight to talk with you and We share so many ideas. It's just really fun to kind of see all those connections. And I, I wish you all the best with your podcast and I hope, I hope to be back soon. That sounds wonderful. Well, thanks again. Well, I hope you enjoyed that talk with Mary as much as I did. And if you have any questions or comments, head over to the Alchemyland Substack. That's alchemyland.substack.com. And drop a comment or ask a question. We'd love to chat with you. Let us know what you think. We'll see you next time on Alchemyland.